Hi there, this is Pastor Tim. I'm the minister at Eastside Church. We are a United Methodist congregation in East Atlanta Village. We seek to be creative, historic, and inclusive. And we are thrilled that you found our podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church community, you can visit us at www.eastsideatl.org. Hello, Eastside. My name is Ed, if we haven't met already, and I'm a member here at Eastside. Uh, it's my pleasure to be sharing a message with you today. Uh, and today we get to kick off a new sermon series about the fruit of the Spirit and what it means for our community. We've covered in detail last year this arc of preaching around You Are Loved uh, and this campaign that we went on to really reflect on that idea that we are deeply loved. And then this year we've been uh, meditating on the idea of being rooted and grounded in love. Uh, today, as we kick off the fruit of the Spirit, we get to the first fruit, which is also love. So there's a, a good little theme uh, emerging here. I want to cover up on a couple introductory points. Um, first of all, you've heard about this uh, collective practice that we're engaged in as a church, this idea of eunoia. Eunoia meaning beautiful thinking or uh, you know, righteous and pure meditation uh, and what that results in in us. And so uh, there are these eunoia prayer bees. I don't have one on me, but... Uh, it, there's a symbol of the Trinity at the top uh, and then the fruits of the Spirit as each has beads that you add to the thread uh, and it kind of culminates in this um, this tree at the bottom, the tree, this tree of life and uh, it's, it's beautiful symbolism, it's, it's awesome uh, and I think that it's a great to consider what that means for us, this idea that you know, beautiful meditation results in uh, positive outcomes and so we'll look at that as a lens, you know, on, on our sermon today. Um, today is also Trinity Sunday. And so we're going to look at this from the perspective of the Trinity. Uh, you know, the very quick TLDR for what is the Trinity. The Trinity means it's our belief as Christians that God is three persons, but one person all at the same time. Not that God is three persons that are sort of interlocking parts of, of one unit. Uh, not that... Uh, God is, um, that there's a, some kind of division of labor or separation of powers, or that God is just kind of comprised of the same substrate or material that is like the God particles, you know, that somehow are the material that the three people are made up of. No, we actually believe in this mysterious way that God is three and that God is one at the same time. And we'll get into that because that has a, a really different impact or bearing on what it means for us uh, to bear the spirit, uh, the spiritual fruit of love. Finally, it hardly needs any mention, but uh, we're at a moment in our country uh, under collective stress of pandemic and collective heartache of continuing racism and injustice. We find ourselves being kind of torn apart because uh, we, you know, in our, our own, in our own instincts, right? Uh, because we, we, we have to socially distance, but we feel this need to stand united shoulder to shoulder. Uh, we have to prevent the spread of the sickness to other people. Uh, and yet we are mourning the scourge of racism that's, that's already been afflicting um, as a scourge on our, on our society for, for many, many years. We have to wear masks over our mouths. And yet what we want to do is go into the streets and shout that without justice, there is no peace. We have to stay apart, but we need to come together, maybe more than ever. And so in this moment of tension, uh, what it means to really love uh, is something else that we're going to take a look at. And that's going to be, you know, kind of in the message. 
So um, the, the last thing I'll just say about love is as a fruit of the spirit, you know, remember that the idea of this fruit of the, of the spirit is that the spirit is seated deep into our hearts and that there is this kind of botanical, inevitable, unstoppable fruit that results as a, res- as a result of that. And uh, all the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I think that's all of them. Uh, there's, there's all these fruit of the spirit that, in, that Paul lists in Galatians, but the first one is love. And it's not really the first among equals, but in some sense, uh, the fruit of the spirit is love and the fruit of love is all of those other fruits. And so it's really important that we give this proper attention and shift. Um, so I like to give away the points uh, at the front of the message. And really the, the, the point here is very simple. The fruit of the spirit is that triune love. And it takes form as this close up, personal, continuous relationship of love. That's what we're invited into with God and how we're also to be connected with each other. So I'm going to jump around the scriptures a little bit today, but the main passage comes from John chapter 14. And just to set it up a little bit, these chapters in John appear as extended teaching and conversation between Jesus and his disciples. You know, Jesus, they had the Passover meal, uh, Jesus washes their feet at at the Seder, and then um, he has this conversation over the next three chapters. And then at the end of it, immediately he's like arrested and uh, taken uh, to the crucifixion. you know, this gospel maybe shouldn't be read as exact chronology, but John does frame it here as Jesus's final conversation and blessing for his disciples uh, before all this chaos ensues. So if you are willing and able in your spirits, uh, I, you, you can rise and listen for the voice of God in uh, the reading of, of the word. John chapter 14, verses 8 through 27. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and we'll be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And in fact, will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. Forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I'm coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me and those who love me will be loved by my father. And I will love them and reveal myself to them. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, those who love me will keep my word and my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the father who sent me. 
I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. God, may the words of my mouth and the collective hearts of the meditations of all of our hearts gathered online and near and very far, may they be pleasing to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So this triune love, it's really, really close. It's really, really up close. It's very, very proximate. In fact, that is the whole idea of the Trinity is that they're so intertwined that they're so close together. Um, you know, in this chapter, Jesus says, I'm in the Father and the Father is in me and I abide in the Father and the Father abides with me and I, I in you. There's this notion of this presence that's so, so, so super close. You know, um, if you're looking for a family portrait of the Trinity, uh, you can look at Matthew chapter three, which is Jesus' baptism. You know, there's this flash moment. He's being baptized actually by John the Baptist, who's also kind of family because it's like, hey, cousin, let's let's get baptized. Uh, and so Jesus comes out of the water and it says that the spirit descends on him like a dove, which I did not research. So I don't know what that means to descend on someone like a dove. I imagine that it's great and it's like getting an awesome hug. Uh, and the father speaks from heaven saying, this is my beloved with whom I am well pleased. And there's this, this picture of intimacy. First of all, the Trinity snapshot altogether, that's the rarest can be. Uh, but second of all, there's this total intimacy, this proximity, they are close to one another. They are not three uh, personas of God all doing, off doing their own separate thing and sort of getting their orders from headquarters and you know, interacting with walkie talkies. They are close. They are proximate. They are intertwined. Um, triune God is co-dwelling and super duper close. It's not a division of labor. That's what Christ is trying to say here. You know, and the other thing is that we are invited into this Trinity. We are invited into this love. Uh, and so um, Jesus actually says, they who keep my commandments and keep them are those who love me and those who love me will be loved by my father and I will love them and reveal myself to them. So part and parcel with this whole idea of proximity and Trinity is this idea that uh, we get to share in that love. <coughs> so just as an aside here, I, I just want to exhort Everybody, you know, if you are a longtime Eastsider, maybe you're a visitor, maybe you're an alumnus that moved away, uh, maybe you're just someone who somehow stumbled upon our stream, welcome. Welcome to our virtual church. Um, I just want to say something. It's been preached and spoken many times, and I want to speak it into your life. You don't need to yearn and long for some kind of love that's missing from your life uh, because you are loved. The cosmic maker that put everything into motion around us, this incredible deity, this God that dwells with us, this God loves us. You are invited to come and to join with the divine, 
to be one with a God that has never been alone, that's been in the closest and most intimate relationship in the history of the universe. You and I are welcomed in because we are loved. So we're invited into this, so, you know, coming back, we're invited into this uh, triune love, uh, and there's this, there's this Greek word called perichoresis, which is uh, really, at the end of the day, it's the idea of motion and response, and then another motion that responds to that response, and there's this perpetual motion between uh, different persons together. Uh, it's been described as kind of an eternal dance. And the thing about it is that it doesn't occur alone, right? And so Trinity is not multiple personality disorder. It's not one person just sort of taking on, you know, talking to themselves for all of, uh, in, this, in this crazy way for all of eternity. Uh, Trinity is three different people, but one person because of how close they are. And so there's this dance because the persons are interacting with each other. In other words, triune love is personal. It does not happen alone. And we see it here in this passage because Philip asks, you know, Jesus, well, show us the Father. You keep talking about this Father. Show us the Father. And Jesus is like, do you not see the Father? Because you see me and the Father's right there because the Father abides in me and I in him. And so uh, there's this idea that, yeah, it's not alone. You know, like maybe Philip lays eyes on Jesus and it's like, you know, there's just one Jesus, that's all I see. But actually the, the interpersonal dance that's been happening, it's all bound up together. And so Jesus says, actually, when you see me, you see the Father who's going to send you the Spirit, who's going to remind you of me. It's all bound up together. It's almost like Christ is saying, like, can you not see who I'm dancing with right now? Uh, don't you know that you're up next? And so the Trinity is infinitely close to one another. And through the incarnation of Christ and the gift of the Spirit, we get to join into that intimacy. Right? I'm in the Father and you in me and I in you. Um, and we're also called into this proximity. And the crazy thing about this proximity is that we not only get to draw close to this eternal and infinitely proximate love that we find in the Trinity, but then we're actually called into that love with each other as we get connected to each other. You know, John, a few chapters after this in John 17, it says, you know, Jesus prays for the disciples and for all the people. He says that they may all be one as you father are in me and I am in you, right? That Trinity, that closeness, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me the glory that you have given me. I have given them so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may become completely one so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. It's all transitive. So it started off Trinity, right? Parent and spirit and Christ, triune love. And then we're invited into that and we get to join into that, that family. And then we actually join with each other in this miraculous and insane and unbelievable and incredible proximity that God has within the Trinity, this interpersonal closeness. It's relational, it's reciprocal. There's proximity between people and we get to join in with it. Now this all sounds great, you know, being invited into the Trinity to dance together. You know, it sounds good, it makes for a good sermon. I hope, I hope this is going well. Uh, but you know, there is a challenge latent here when you really stop and think about how intense that is, the degree of it. Because, you know, when I think about the triune God dancing together, these like, I don't know, like orbs of light just kind of spinning around, 
And, um, you know, I'm sure it's more than that, but that's how I visualize it. And then I think about, if I close my eyes, I think about e-siders and families getting together and big smiling faces and passing of the peace and no more social distancing and high-fiving and hugging and loving each other uh, in this great uh, infinite party, uh, this dance party of closeness. That sounds so great and there's something good about that. But in this day and age, in our current era, we have to be challenged to think a little more broadly. You see, church, we... Uh, we love our community. We say we do. Like we hang these banners outside. Last year we hung out banners that said Black Lives Matter. I think it's back up now. And then right next to a banner that says you are loved. Black Lives Matter. Black people being alive matters. Black lives matter to us because you are loved. These are messages that were juxtaposed right next to each other. Right? Along with a rainbow flag and that community that we also love. That you are loved. And it's not by accident. It, it's very strong implication, broadcasting to all of Moreland Avenue that you are loved. Black Lives Matter, you are loved. So we're saying as a church, the black lives that matter to us is because we love them. It's important to say that. But if that's what we're saying, um, and we, look, we connect to the community, we connect through ministry partners, we redirect and give resources and partner together uh, to our community and communities far away. And it's important work and it's good work. It's absolutely righteous work. But proximity is a, a, a level up. It's a special calling because proximity implies that relationship, right? You can put up a banner, you can tell people what we believe in our convictions, but that's really one-way expression. You can give money, you can be, you know, giving of your learning and of your time to go and make yourself and educate yourself and become aware. Uh, and we can be found weeping over books and articles and videos. And we can even go and march in the streets. And again, all of this is good and righteous behavior. It's uh, uh, in no way am I saying that uh, it's not good. But the question is, is that enough to count for love, for proximate, up-close, relational love you know and we live in this we you know there's some cultural factors at play here we're, we're westerners so we take individualism really seriously uh and we're also people who live kind of mired in social media social media allows us to kind of insert distance anytime right like we can shout and hashtag and put things into the abyss uh and then if there's blowback or if someone starts you know like chasing us down even positively like you know, sending us messages and DMs, we can just ghost, I'm like, hey, yeah, no, cool. Everything's asynchronous, like we can reply when we feel like it uh, or choose not to. Um, you know, we can set people on silent or ignore or, or whatever. Um, we have so many ways to not be in a relationship. <laughs> we have so many reasons to do what kind of feels like communication has the trappings of, you know, emotional satisfaction of, of belief and of, of uh, saying and doing, but actually never get up close and personal. And look, I'm not, I gotta like have a, a whole battery of disclaimers here. I'm not saying that social media is inherently bad. Look, I think we can learn, we can connect to resources. And yes, we can actually even have real relationships online. That's, I think the point here, you know, especially in, in this day and age, you know, we can move funds with a click. We can reach thousands with a tweet. All I'm saying is that we're called to do more. And we cannot fall into that trap 
of um, being agitated and then wanting so much to give and to love and then somehow being emotionally satisfied by this thing that's not really up close and personal and then going on with our lives you know, well within our comfort zones, well within our safety. So recognize we're kind of in a time and a place that's a little bit allergic to this particular dimension of love, that proximity, this closeness, it's a challenge. Um, so as people worshiping this triune God, we're invited to dance and join this reciprocal, reciprocal intimate flowing space of assurance. It's, it's a very, very close love. Um, we need to bear fruit being rooted in that love and love others around us in that same fashion, that challenging way, intimately, proximately. It doesn't start, it's not love via hashtag. It's not love by philosophical agreement. It's not a position or a stance. Again, all good things, but the love we see in the Trinity, it's personal and it's proximate. One last note on uh, the nature of this triune love, it's continuous. You know, it's infinitely maximal in terms of magnitude and how close it is, but it's also infinite in terms of duration of time. In other words, you know, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, love never fails, uh, even when all these other powers may cease. Uh, because the Trinity has been around since the beginning of time and will be around until the end of time in this infinite dance, growing closer and closer and serving and surrendering and loving and empowering and giving to one another. And we join into that circle and we serve and give and love and receive and abide and dwell together. Um, you know, as I was researching this for the sermon, the, the New Testament's got a lot of reinforcement around Trinity, but the Old Testament actually doesn't have that much. And one of the areas where it really has that, um, one of the mentions uh, around this communal nature of God is actually found in Genesis, in the creation account. And um, God says in the poetry of creation, let us, us, create humanity in our likeness, in our image. And there's some debate as to what the plural means and all this, but, but there is, it's reasonable to interpret this as plural self-reference. That God is not, you know, um, talking to one's own self like, a, like um, you know, like the Gollum in The Hobbit or whatever, like, oh yes, us, precious. That God is speaking to someone and that there is a community inside of God and they're speaking and they're saying, let us make humanity in our image. And so we believe that the world has always had this triune God and that this triune God was not created in elements, uh, but it's always been there, um, was not invented by human history, but humanity was a chapter uh, in the mystery of, of, of the Trinity. And there's like science fiction implications of this, right? Like, ah, oh, does the Trinity, you know, as they dance, do they actually perceive time? Like maybe it's like forever and ever duration, but you know, do they exist at every moment in time at the same time? You know, like, is this like a black mirror scenario? Um, but one of the things that we know is that Jesus experienced the passage of time and that Jesus spent that time with the father connected to the spirit uh, within those constraints. And so this, this idea that Trinity has been in this eternal dance since the beginning of human history, uh, this constant perpetual motion, Father and Christ, Christ and Spirit, Spirit and Parent, and back and forth. Since the beginning and until the end, that proximate, close love does not dip in and out, 
It is always and it is forever. So Trinity love is up close, it's personal, and it's forever. And so as we think about what this means for us, um, you know, close and continuous loving, man, that sounds costly. Uh, It's a lot easier to sort of um, express solidarity. It's a lot easier for us to, um, you know, have mental agreement and uh, to provide high fives from afar. Um, It's a lot costlier to get close and to do this on a continuous basis. When all of this has died down and when, you know, the moment is not so urgent, uh, when we're not feeling so much conviction um, to let our love fade back a little bit and to reassert our privilege that we, many of us have to, 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 to dip out of it. And so it's costly. And uh, somehow this message has taken a weird turn towards like it kind of being a bummer because it's like, wow, love is really costly. This is, this is hard, this is really challenging. And so I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, this, our fear of being intimate in this proximate love, it's actually, that leaves us in our own affliction because I'm making it sound like love is so difficult. uh, Like it's so much effort and so much discomfort. And I think, yes, we need to be deeply challenged by that, especially given our cultural kind of factors at place. But it's also a place of great joy. It's like we're part of that family portrait now. It's this recognition of the fact that we aren't actually meant to be alone in the first place. And that if we're designed in the image of this God and and the likeness of this Trinity, then our greatest happiness is when we have people all up in our life. Now, introverts and extroverts will, you know, respond to this differently and be challenged differently. But at the end of the day, a healthy, enduring, proximate, up close and personal love, it's to our greatest good. And it's to our living in accordance with our spec. We're meant to be connected. We're not meant to dip in and out, to have off-ramps where we get to insert distance or opt out of relationships when they get a little too messy. And, you know, I had this kind of eunoia moment this week as I was preparing for the sermon. I marched in the streets one day with a sign that said, love is stronger. Um, You know, I tried to be as socially distant and masked up as possible. Uh, And I was just meditating, you know, beautiful reflection on, Looking around, everyone is holding up signs saying end systemic racism and um, you know, being black is not a crime and expressing anguish and expressing uh, just dissatisfaction and uh, demanding reform. And uh, I wasn't trying to be like cool and different by having a sign that, about love. Uh, I kind of did that knowing I was preparing for the sermon. And as I marched, I, I, my mind, you know, uh, we, we, the, the the protesters do this thing where we say their names, Maud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd. And I thought about George Floyd. It makes you really think about that person and connect with that personhood. And indulge me for a minute, because this is sort of that Unoya practice, thinking on what might be beautiful. I fantasized about a world where we weren't, there wasn't just better police policies, where there was just less racism and equality for everyone. Um, but the idea that, you know, th- this news came out last week that um, Chauvin, the police officer, and George Floyd, they actually were in the same place a lot of times um, because they kind of uh, might have overlapped at this bar where they were both, you know, working security. And so, you know, that, that really kind of rocked my world because that meant that there was this possibility, this potentiality that they could have been friends. Um, they could have known each other at least. 
And so then, you know, indulging me in this thought experiment, I, what if Chauvin had actually gotten proximate with George Floyd? Because you know, they were actually in the same place. What if they had kept in touch over many months, you know, developed a relationship? What if Chauvin had gotten to know that Floyd was from Houston, from the third ward, that he was actually an influ influential person in the music scene there, uh, that he loved cars and he loved basketball and his uh, family used to call him the gentle giant. How might that have been different? Not just because of the absence of an atrocity, but because of the presence of a relationship. And you can respond to this with skepticism and, you know, but as people of the triune God, we profess and dare to hope that this is the kind of love that's possible as a part of our spiritual reality. It should be within our imagination. Yes, one can say tolerance and justice comes before love, and I don't disagree, but we cannot lose sight of the ultimate goal, a world where we love each other, where we're dancing in up-close, personal, continuous quarters. It's not a bonus. It's not icing on the cake. It's the call of the people of God. God's ultimate reality for us is a collective shalom, a broken world repaired in the most radical ways, not just to neutral, but to love. So just one concluding reflection and a suggested practice. You know, number one, let's, let's keep doing what we're doing in this world. Let's keep wrestling with what's in our lives and let's keep dealing with our social distance and let's keep, you know, mourning and lamenting the injustice that we see and let's keep getting connected and find ways to add our voice to the cause. And I've been really blessed by, you know, I know I was throwing shade on social media, but I've been really blessed by people posting resources in their Instagram stories and learning a lot more about, you know, painstaking work that's been happening for a very long time. And so let's keep doing that. But let's also reflect and ask this question. Who are you truly loving? Who are the names and the faces that are in your life? With whom are you in relationship? in close proximity, even if we're not physically sharing space during the season? Where is that deep rootedness in the spirit? Where is that bearing fruit in close, personal, continuous relationships? I know we're works in progress. I'm preaching this to myself. I am just, as always, not a pro uh, in, the, in love. I'm not speaking out of expertise. Um, but you know what's gonna make a difference more than all the symbolism and the legislation and the policy making and the marching and the convictions. It's my firm belief that the enduring thing that will matter the most is real investment in relationship with someone. So I urge you to reflect on that. What first small step can you take today to be in a relationship, an up close, maybe uncomfortable, um, personal, dancing, joyous relationship love relationship with someone. And then for practice, you know, I would encourage us to spend some time in prayer this week. As we pray through our Unoya practice, you know, let's be reminded there's this trinity at top that means so much. It, it has such implication for the nature of that love. Uh, and then let's get to that first bead and let's linger on it and the exciting challenge that it holds. Uh, you know, prayer is actually an incredibly powerful practice at this time. And I'll talk about that some other day, but, you know, because it, it gets us to spend mental energy and effort and attention, which is the scarcest human resource, um, on someone, on something, and, uh, and we don't even have to be physically proximate with them. It starts to spend that resource on others. And as we do that, 
May you bear the fruit of the Spirit, the consequence of pure and beautiful meditation, by lavishing that proximate and continuous dancing love into the relationships around us uh, and reflecting the, the unique love of our triune God. All of this in the name of that radiant triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. Let it be so. And together we say, Amen. Well, we hope that you've enjoyed this week's message and we look forward to seeing you soon. If you listen from afar and you would like to support the work that we are doing in East Atlanta and on Atlanta's east side, you can visit our website, www.eastsideatl.org, and find our giving portal there.